things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. and welcome to I Crying Corners. We are in episode 15 of season two. I am so very excited. Um, Hopefully you are all caught up on the seasons, but if you're not, um, I'm just going to do a real quick recap just in case you're new to the podcast. Um, And if you're not new and you've missed a couple, it's okay. We're still best friends. Um, Okay. Uh, Ten Pestle version. Season one defined I Crying Corners. It pretty much just defined the leadership principle. And then, like, for the next nine episodes, I laid down the foundation of why we were here. It's important. Those are the things that um, keep you grounded when things get a little crazy town. It's what says, hey, it's okay that I have feelings. Um, God gave me these feelings, but I actually know how to steward them. So that was, like, pretty much all of season one. And season two... um, it's where we are now. I'm dropping the top 10 people and things you actually need in your corner. So we're in the first one. I talked about the things that make up your corner. Uh, season two, these are the things you actually need to bring in there and kind of like like a hoarder a little bit, but not. Anyways, that's a bad example. Let's move on. Anyways, these are the things you need in your corner. I'm trying to bring clarity to them um, because I guess some people assume you need certain things in your corner, but really... You don't. And so if my 37 years have taught me anything, it's that these things are um, instrumental and detrimental to your wellness and your wholeness and everything that God has for you. So uh, here are the five things. Oh, actually, we're on number five today, but here are the top four things you need in your corner. Uh, One is Jesus. Of course, you need the main thing. Number two, uh, community. Everyone needs a squad. Number three is love. Love needs to be your bestie because if love is your bestie, you will straight up treat everybody like they're your bestie. And that's that's the goal. The goal is to love people. Uh, number four, I talked about ride or dies. I defined ride or dies as covenant people and core values. So those are very important. Jesus, community, love, and then covenant people and values. But I'm not talking about the first four things today. We're talking about the fifth thing. So if you've landed here, then you know I'm talking about the haters. Yeah, Um, nothing frustrates me more. You know, we're best friends now, so I can just talk to you candidly as I don't do that anyway. Anyways, I nothing frustrates me more when they're like, yeah, just forget about the haters. You know, the you know, the proverbial day, you know, it's like you need the haters. They motivate you. No, they don't. That's stupid. Stop talking. There's this um, commercial out. I think Adidas did it. I'm not dog- dogging Adidas or anything, but Adidas did it and it's all like, there will be haters. And like, they talk about all these people that are just sitting around hating on you. And it's like, how to like, you know, bypass the haters. Well, anyways, I think it's stupid. I'm going to debunk some myths today about haters because to be quite honest with you, I feel like it's a flipping smoke screen and it doesn't matter in the kingdom. It's not a thing. I'm thinking next season, I'll do the top 10 things that are not a thing. I have a lot of those, you know. I'm not going to talk about them now because I feel like they'll offend people, but it's okay. If I haven't offended you yet, then look forward to a very fun, inappropriate season three. Anyways, um, the thing about haters is that it's not really a thing. Oh, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. And I know some of you are like, what are you talking about? I actually have like real people in my life that are hating on me. No, you don't. You have broken people in your world that need Jesus. Boom. You're welcome. If you were standing here, I would just like point at you right now and then awkwardly walk away. 
Here are the two myths you need to know about haters. Ready? I mean, you're listening, so you're ready. One, haters aren't the problem. For the love of God, they're not the problem. Ephesians 6.12, yes, I got this out of the Bible, says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's not about people, guys. It's about the devil. He's stupid. He's so stupid, he's smart. And he knows if he can have you focusing on people and focusing on broken people, you will forget that he's actually the real enemy. And what he's throwing your way is nonsense for you to stop focusing on Jesus and instead focus on people. That's right. I said it. Haters are a myth. They're a flippin' smokescreen. The real enemy throws your way so you'll focus on people instead of whatever your actual assignment is. Oh my God, I can't scream right now, but I want to. Okay, if you're a person that is focused on the mythical haters and you have a shirt that's like, you know, stop drinking the haterade, um, what's going to happen is if you focus on haters, you're actually one of those people that really sucks at conflict. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know this because I used to focus on haters and I really sucked at conflict. I still kind of suck at conflict, but that's because I don't really have any comebacks and but that's a different problem altogether. Um, if you're a person that is focused on the haters, what'll happen is you will do conflict in an unhealthy way because what'll happen is you'll be so focused on the person you won't see what's really happening. And that leads us to number two, that haters actually bring perspective. See, uh, the enemy wants you to think uh, the haters actually are taking your, like, that's what your perspective needs to be focused on is the actual haters, but that's a lie. Um, people that perceive people as the problem usually only believe storms of life are from the devil. I'm going to say that joke again because I feel like that one's going to hit home for somebody. People that perceive people as the problem usually also believe storms of life are from the devil. I'm, I'm going to let that one just sit quietly. Nope. Nobody? Look, that's not the case. Our entire lives will be lived in some form of wilderness. Jesus went into the wilderness. It even said that he would, like, retreat into the wilderness. Your whole flipping life is going to be some kind of exile. Yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You were meant to be garden people, but Eve decided to become a vegetarian, and now we are wilderness people. And I love you, vegetarians, vegans, all of you. But just because now we are in some kind of exile until eternity does not, not, does not mean that your focus should change. So I would suggest you just get super, super good at navigating the storms of navigating crazy people and learn where the water holes and the trenches are and be, get like a cool hipster patch that just says nomad or something because people are out there and they need Jesus and you're focused on the wrong thing. Also, I may have written an entire book on this subject. Shameless plug. Go to my website. Look. I need you to change your perspective because haters actually bring perspective. What happens is when you're dealing with people that are haters, it's like God is bringing the problems of life really, really, really close to you. And he's saying, hey, pray about this. Hey, you see this? This is something awesome I want you to focus on. I find when I'm dealing with difficult people, one, I question, am I the difficult one? If I'm continuing to, one, am I the common denominator? And two, if I'm not the common denominator, um, God, you're trying to teach me something. Maybe I need to be praying for this person. Maybe, God, you're bringing me this person. Maybe I need to love this person. Maybe there's an issue with this person. Maybe you're focused on the wrong thing about the people. I need you to change your perspective. I love Psalms 18. It's one of my favorite Psalms. I'm going to read it. It says, he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. 
So Psalms 18 is all about like, God, we need you to come. We need you to, you are the God of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You need to read the whole chapter. It's awesome. But it talks about how like they were calling out to God and he came. But when he came, he made the darkness his covering and his canopy around him. The dark rains, the cloud of the skies. And it says, out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. That's kind of gangster. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the most high resounded. Okay, here's a couple things that I took from that. Again, that was in Psalms 18. I think it's 11 through 13. The darkness at times, um, I think what happens when we're dealing with difficult people, when we're dealing with haters, uh, we're so focused on the darkness of it um, that we get scared and then we get in fear. And the enemy knows if he can get you fearful, um, he's got you. Um, But see, uh, the darkness is not meant to scare you. It's actually meant to inspire you. It says that in the darkness, it's his covering. So what I'm telling you is that in the trenches of life, um, uh, they're not meant to scare you. They're meant to teach you how to climb. Uh, When the darkness and the things happen in your life, they're meant to uh, teach you how to survive these hostile wilderness seasons. Guys, it's his canopy. The darkness seasons means he's on his way. If you feel like you're overwhelmed by people and circumstances, I want you to be encouraged. If you were standing in front of me right now, I'd grab you by the shoulders and I would tell you, one, read Psalms 18. And two, know that God sees you. He loves you and help is near. The darkness doesn't mean he's far. The darkness means he's near. I don't know who I'm saying that to, but I feel very, very strongly to repeat it. The darkness being there, it doesn't mean that he's far. It means that he's super near. I love how next it says, I lo- uh, the brightness, because of his brightness, he advances. This is out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced. Some of you are looking at the clouds right now and you're like, holy crap, there's a storm. When really you need to look at the storm and say, oh my God, guess what's coming? He's advancing. What would life look like? What would life look like if we stopped focusing our energy on broken people and started focusing our eyes on a perfect God? Oh, I wish people would stop focusing on haters. It's so stupid. What would life look like if we stopped focusing our energy on broken people and drama and nonsense and things that don't matter and things that are not kingdom and we started focusing our eyes on the perfect God? What would it look like? The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. And finally, the thunder and lightning are kind of his thing. So don't get bogged down with the broken people. Don't get bogged down with the loudness of the drama. Don't get bogged down with the thunder and lightning because the thunder and lightning are his thing. It just means he's advancing. It means his voice is speaking. You just got to be listening. Johnny, why are you so intense right now? Because I freaking hate the enemy. Like, hate him. And all he does is smokescreen people's lives to make you not win. And God already won. You don't, have to, you don't have to try to win. He already won on the cross. I love how people are like, I'm just really praying for a victory. Dude, I'm a re- I already won. I, already, I actually function from a place of victory. Well, you're not winning. Who says? Who says I'm not winning? Who told you you're not winning? Who told you you're surrounded by haters? That's a lie. You're surrounded by Jesus. You might be focused on the haters, but that's a different problem entirely, which I feel like I just totally went through for you. Look, if you can embrace that haters aren't really a thing, it's just the enemy's smokescreen to steal your perspective and focus, uh, take your focus away from God. Um, If you can just embrace that, embrace the lightning awesomeness, the thunder awesomeness, then you'll be able to embrace number five. Yeah, I haven't even told it to you yet. So um, I called this the haters, but really the number five thing you need in your corner is peace. So one is Jesus. 
Uh, two is community. Three is love. Four is uh, covenant people and core values. And number five is peace. Peace has been a really hard lesson for me to learn. And because um, I hate conflict. Like, yes, I'm a little combative. As you can see, for the first 12 minutes of this podcast, I'm a little intense. People assume that when I'm talking, I'm always mad or your tone. I have issues with my tone. It's very Cuban, but I'm still working on it. It's very intense all the time. I don't really smile a lot. I kind of have this permanent scowl. It don't, I, I don't mean to. It's just what my face looks like. So whatever, haters. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, I don't really like conflict. I hate conflict. And um, I've always struggled to find peace. Uh, internal peace. As a kid, um, life was really hard and there was a lot of strife in my home and I found peace in the arms of my mom. And, um, but as a teenager, strife continued because strife will always be there. And then I found peace in the arms of love, um, and not the love you should. In my twenties, um, I found peace in my work. Yeah. I was one of those people that was like, I'm an artist. I'm like super creative and I'm just, you know, I just, I'm made to create, if you're one of those people, that's okay. I still love you. Um, smirk. Anyways, you'll get through it. It's fine. In your 30s, because uh, in my 30s, God allowed me to unravel. I stopped finding my peace in people. I stopped finding my peace in love that wasn't God's. And I stopped finding my peace in the things that I wrapped my identity in. And in my 30s, God allowed me to unravel in the aftermath of a new season the death of my grandmother, um, a horrible car accident, a pretty drastic job transition, and then the loss of one of my closest friends. It was like all these things happened in like a 90-day period. And it was then in that crazy time where I finally found peace. I'm going to do this without crying. I totally am. Uh, Was it Bill Johnson said that peace that surpasses all understanding is given to those that relinquish their um, understanding? that let go of their right to understand. And I remember in that season, I was like, God, why is all this happening? I'm dealing with all these haters. I'm dealing with all this drama and all this circumstance. God, why, why, why? And finally, I just stopped asking why. And I just said, God, I just want you to be here. God, I don't want to move until you move. And it was in that moment, in that brokenness, that now I can say so many years later that my peace does not come from whether I'm in a storm. It doesn't come whether I'm in the sun. My peace comes from God. It comes from God because the sun is always shining on my life. And I don't mean the sun. I mean the sun. Make sense? At 33, I I wasn't focused on that at all. I was focused on haters. I was broken. I was grieving. And the only thing I needed in my corner was peace. Not the feeling, but the person. See, where there is no peace, there is conflict. And I asked people on my Instagram this week, like, if they wanted me to answer questions on how to deal with conflict. And and I'm totally going to answer a few. But I feel like if you have no internal peace, then conflict will reign externally. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have internal peace, then conflict will reign externally. I'm not saying that there won't be conflict. I'm saying it won't affect you in the same manner in which affects you now. See, peace, true peace that surpasses all understanding um, doesn't mean there's no conflict. Listen to this. Write this down. Peace that surpasses all understanding does not mean there's no conflict. It means Jesus is bigger. 
It means Jesus is your focus. It means love is your filter. It means you are wise in your response. It means you don't hold grudges. It means you always forgive. I'm going to say this junk again. True peace that surpasses all understanding doesn't mean there is not conflict. It means Jesus is bigger. It means Jesus is your focus. It means love is your filter. It means you are wise in your response. It means you don't hold grudges and it means you always forgive. Chotty, that person sucks. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Well, you know what? You didn't deserve for Jesus to die on the cross, but he did that anyway. And so every time I look at somebody and I think you are stupid and you do not deserve my response, Jesus reminds me very kindly that he got beat beyond recognition for my stupid behind. And you know what? I say, my bad, Jesus, I hear you. I always go back to that beaten beyond recognition. The most loyal friend completely betrayed. The most loyal love completely betrayed. The most loyal person completely left behind by his family, not honored. Yet he died on a cross for my sins and yet... I still embrace nonsense instead of focusing on his awesomeness. It doesn't mean you are a pushover. Let me clarify. Living like this, living from a, this peace, it doesn't mean you're a pushover. It doesn't, it, it, means, it doesn't mean you don't have convictions, okay? It means you function and speak from a place of peace and not anxiousness, not bitterness, and not haterade. I'm going to read that junk again because I wrote it down. It does not mean that you're a pushover and you don't have convictions. Okay. I have a lot of convictions, right? Uh, So I speak to things. I don't die on every hill, but the things that are going to affect the battles in my life, the wars of my life, I will die on that hill. So this doesn't mean that I don't have convictions. It just means I have wisdom to know when to fight them. It means uh, you function and you speak from a place of peace and not anxiousness. If everything you do is from anxiousness, that's no peace. If everything you do and you say is out of bitterness, that's not peace. Uh, Perfect example. If you're one of those people that you just got to be honest, you just got to be honest. I just got to tell people how it is. That's not God. Because honesty might make you the winner, but honesty doesn't make you um, the one that's completely filtered with love. And honestly, honesty doesn't necessarily have the uh, uh, the best... Um Sometimes when you're honest with people, all it does is make you the winner and the spectator, and it doesn't really push people forward. Sometimes you just, you just got to let it go. Not everybody needs your honesty. Not everybody needs your insight. Not everybody's asking for that. What would happen if you stopped being honest and you just started loving people? Chadi, what does that look like? Me being honest is loving them. Nah, if you say it in bitterness and you say it in anxiety, that's not out of peace. Peace, you know, love covers. So if you're loving someone and you're being honest to someone, um, my pastor, Pastor Carrie, I quote her all the time because chick is the bomb. She says that everything needs to be said in truth, timing, and grace. It can be the truth, but it doesn't have any grace or it's the wrong timing. It doesn't matter. And so... That wasn't in my notes or anything, but I just feel like someone needs to know that. Like, you want to have peace? If you really, truly are speaking from peace, don't be so honest. Just don't say anything. Because if it's not in grace and it's not in the right timing, it doesn't matter if it's the truth. That truth won't sound like truth. It'll sound like bitterness. So, quick recap, and then I'm going to answer some questions. Haters aren't a real thing. It's just the enemy's smokescreen to steal your perspective and focus from God and his lightning awesomeness. So embrace peace. Peace is your number five, guys. Not the feeling, but the person of Jesus Christ. Yes, I know. I know. I'm always talking about Jesus. But you know what? If you don't give people Jesus, then you'll give them you. And that doesn't, that doesn't get people to eternity. 
and you want to be awesome at conflict and awesome at loving people, that's why you have to be at peace. Practically speaking, Chadi, what the crap does that mean? I'm going to give you the best example I can give you. Um, you ever seen uh, Forrest Gump? You know, Forrest Gump is like super famous, Lieutenant Dan. There's a scene where Lieutenant Dan is in a storm and he's like screaming at the storm. That's what peace looks like. Yes, that's right. The person that screams at the storm and is not scared of the storm and says, do your worst. That's what peace looks like. Peace looks like Jesus sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm. That's what peace looks like. So that's the peace you have to function in. All right. So, um, yeah. Oh, also minus the cussing, of course, that doesn't minus the cussing of Lieutenant Dan, but everything else he did, that's totally good. Just all the sass, less cussing. Okay. Questions. Hopefully that made sense. Um, I got some questions. People asked me about conflict and, um, I'm going to answer them for time constraints because I like to keep these things under like 23, 25 minutes. I only pulled three. So hopefully uh, I get to your question. If not, I'm going to write a blog post about dealing with conflict. Okay. The first question I'm going to answer is when do you embrace conflict and when do you let it go? Um, I don't embrace conflict. Um, I try to, um, I feel like, I feel like, well, hold on, let me say this. I feel like every, every conflict, uh, you have to be led of the Holy Spirit. It's one of those things, again, truth, timing, and grace. And I think that, um, it's, if it's, if it's going to affect a battle, um, uh, in, in the war and it's, it's not a battle that's going to win the war, I say it's not worth it. If it's something like a moral issue or integrity issue, or it puts you in a place where you're going to be, you know, in trouble or it's going to be an issue, I think then, then I would have a conversation. But again, it's all about how you have the conversation. Do you go to that person? It's biblical. You go to that person first. Um, and you have it out. Just nece- don't necessarily expect like everything to work out. The thing about conflict is I think a lot of people expect like, hey, I went to this person. Uh, why isn't it worked out? Like at the end of the day, you just got to love people regardless of whether they respond in kind. That's not that's not the win. The win is that you talk to them. The win is that you love them. The win is that you brought up a problem. I would also ask yourself, so like when to embrace conflict, you embrace it when there's like a moral issue, you embrace it when it's like something that's going to affect your work. I I only truly step in to conflict um, when I see it starting to affect other people. Um, If it's, and because I usually wait, I'm like, did this person do this? And I'm like, are they having a bad day? Are they, is it something that, is it, is it a problem that's continuing? Is it something, if it's something that's continual, then I'll address it. If it's like the person had bad pizza, then I just let it go. I hope that makes sense. Okay. Number two question. How do you deal with people who don't like you or how you lead? I mean, how do you deal with people who don't like you or how you lead? I really, I don't really care to be honest with you, but that's my own personal issue. That's a lie. I do care. Um, reputation is everything. I love that. I think it was Socrates that said, live in such a way that, um, where others can't speak ill of you. So, uh, if people say something to me, uh, about not liking me or not liking my leadership, I question the source first things first. So, um, is this a person that I respect? Is this person, and I usually am praying when I'm being like, like talked to, or someone's saying something about my leadership or, or they're saying, Hey, you have a problem here. Or, Hey, you did this. I immediately start going, God, is this from you? And he'll usually tell me, no, Chadi, listen to this person. And, and it doesn't need, even need to be a person who's over me. It could be like a peer or somebody I oversee. I always go, God, what are you saying here? And usually he'll tell me. So um, I don't really deal with people who don't like me 
personally because I, I just don't subscribe to it. Like, you got to love everyone. I don't expect everyone to be my best friend. I'm just going to treat everybody the same. So I wouldn't even worry about that. Um, if they do have a problem in the manner in which you lead, I would just have a conversation and be like, hey, man, is everything OK? What's going on? You know, I see that there's been a couple issues here, some questions here. I just want to make sure that we have clarity and um, we're moving together. And uh, I don't leave room for the enemy to leave uh, sandcastles in the sky for anyone to think of me. So um, I don't say anything to anyone that I haven't said to their face or I tell them to their face. Hey, man, I just feel like this is an issue. What do you think? Um, and most time when people are talking smack and people don't like you, they'll usually not tell you to your face. So don't expect an answer. So just love people and let it go. Um how do you view it in a loving way? I don't try to view it in a loving way. I choose to view it in a loving way. Um, so, um, again, you don't have to like everybody, but you do have to love them. And not everybody will lead like you. Not everybody will love like you. Not everybody will want to be a friend of yours, and that's okay. I will say this about leading. I have very, very high work ethic standards. I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know if it's the manner in which I grew up. My family, they're all entrepreneurs and things of that sort. And, you know, my family came here and struggled. And so I work really, really, really hard. Um, but my work ethic is not everybody else's work ethic. Not that it's wrong or that it's right. I just work differently than other people. And I used to get really mad at other people when they didn't work like me. And that's that's not good. Like you can't expect people, you can't put your standards on other people. So I would even ask yourself like, God, they don't like the way I lead. Um, maybe you just lead differently and you just need to, you know, maybe they just they have false expectations. So I would just say, just pray about it. Let God lead you and just have a conversation, man. You're going to find that a lot of times conversation will eliminate all that nonsense. Okay. Number three, and then I have to end this joker. Oh my gosh. I've gone over my 25 minutes. Panic. All right. This is going to be the longest one ever. Oh my gosh. What if letting go of the conflict means no one is in your corner? I mean, Jesus is always in your corner. So if it's not a physical person, that's fine. Not because you're wrong, but because no one else is ready to stand with you when it matters. Okay. Let me read that again. What if letting go of conflict means no one is in your corner? Not because you're wrong, but because no one else is ready to stand with you when it matters. I'll say this. I don't know what I don't know what this person was dealing with when they asked this, but I'll tell you this. Um, I don't ever question losing people when it comes to conflict. Solely because the people that are supposed to be in my corner, and I mean I talked about this and I think when I talked about squads, like besties and friends are seasonal and I love them and I respect them and I want them in my life, but sometimes God removes people and sometimes God allows conflict and God allows things because he's trying to grow you. Um, I had a kid one time ask me, um, how do they pray to deal with this person that is just always in their business and always causing conflict? And I said, well, stop looking at that person like a storm and instead of looking at them, look at them like God's trying to grow you. So I would, I would say to you... Um, it might matter to you to stand in that moment, but don't put your expectations on them because they don't want to stand. Maybe because they're not in a place of conviction where you are. Maybe because they're dealing with fear. Don't put your expectations on other people. Just love people. And if at the end of the day, you're the only one in the corner, you have Jesus. And that's all that matters in the end um, is Jesus. And he'll bring the right people. and He'll surround you with the right people. But don't get bitter. Don't get mad at the people because they won't stand with you. At the end of the day, the only one who's supposed to be standing with you is Jesus. So that's really it. That's all I have. And um, yeah, I love you guys. You're the best. Um, make sure you're following me on the Instagrams and the Facebook. Make sure you're following Creative Church. Uh, check out the blog. And um, 
that's really it. I love you guys so much. You're my favorites. Um, next week I'm talking about, uh, oh wait, I'm not going to tell you. Love you weirdos. <laughs>